Welcome to the Sports Loft Podcast, where we talk about the tech and innovation changing sport, entertainment, and media. I'm your host, Yanni Andriopoulos, and I'll be joined shortly by Kiel Kirkens, Captain of Knowledge and Development and Innovation at the KNVB, the Dutch Football Federation, and Donnie White, who's the founder and CEO of our Sports Loft member, Satisfy Labs. So today's topic is about fan experience. Multiple sports and, and championships and leagues have returned to action over the past weeks with varying degrees of attendance and success. And today we're going to look at that fan experience in sports, both as a viewer watching events taking place with no fans in the stadium and, and how that's changed the viewing experience, as well as the future of the in-stadium fan experience, both as championships start to come back with fans uh, socially distanced, and then eventually, hopefully, when we have full arenas and stadiums again. But first, we have a quick update to share. Uh, the Sports Floft family has grown, and we recently welcomed our ninth member, Pumpjack DataWorks. Pumpjack is a customer data platform that helps partners increase the value and revenue potential of fan data for sports and entertainment properties. Uh, they have bespoke software that extracts and refines data sources, optimizing it to generate revenue streams through first-party data. And we very much look forward to welcoming them to the Sports Loft podcast very soon. But first, I'm joined by Charlie Greenwood, the founder and CEO of Sportsloft. Charlie, welcome. Hey, Yanni, how you doing? Very well, thank you, mate. Very well. I'm led to believe that you are in Devon nursing a broken collarbone after coming off a, a bike. Is that right? Yeah, it wasn't the cleverest thing I've ever done. But the view from the window is lovely. And of course, <laughs> the uh, sea in Devon, so I'll take it. <laughs> well, that's good. Let's hope the internet holds up. So listen, Charlie, we've got um, Donnie joining us uh, very shortly to talk about um, fan experience together with Kiel Kirkins from the KNVB. Uh, we had a very interesting conversation and we're recording this introduction afterwards. Um, but uh, I wanted to, to ask you two things. First of all, why did you approach Satisfy to become a Sports Loft member? But what attracted to you to them and and what they're doing? Sure. So I, we first met the team at Satisfy about three and a half, four years ago on a basketball court in St. Louis as the snow was bucketing down outside. And they were just finishing up uh, on the second cohort at Stadia Ventures, uh, one of the leading sports tech accelerator programs. Mm -hmm. Um very they basically did a very quick pitch to me which was the idea of a help assistant inside stadiums that could answer thousands of fans questions at the same time but the effectively searching for the, that information on google was a bit of a black hole because google was great for the outside world but not great for an enclosed space and i immediately thought of somewhere like twickenham where there's only a handful of people would really know the ins and outs of a stadium but when you've got a crowd of eighty thousand plus people who are going to have questions at half time that just doesn't scale so here was a solution that could help and combined with that you know you had somewhere like the rfu where um they had a lead sponsor in the, in o2 who very much were all around their brand was around customer experience and customer help and it felt that that those two things fitted together really really well so i was kind of uh, a fan from the early stages um, since then, the proposition's obviously uh, evolved. Um, you know, they've had investment from the likes of Major League Baseball and from Google. Um, you know, they've they've really built out their sort of focus on on AI, and the range of use cases has just been huge. I mean, from the number of venues they've got in um, in the US, and now obviously expanding into the into Europe as well. So. 
they were actually became one of the founding members at Sportsloft. Uh, they were one of the first four companies that came in and it felt like a really good fit when we uh, started off. Excellent. And, and Donnie has been a big proponent, both of Sportsloft, but also uh, doing fantastic work to improve the fan experience. So, um, as I said, I had a very good conversation with you, which I think uh, listeners will uh, We'll, we'll really appreciate. So um, final question from me to you. Um, we're going to be talking about the fan experience. Both you and I are old enough that uh, we remember a much simplified, much more simplified fan experience from our younger days. Um, what about the fan experience most resonates with you? And, and, and let me, I'll, I'll, um, I'll, I'll preempt your question by giving my answer. Um, I, I remember when I was uh, seven or eight years old, my father took me to Olympic Stadium in Athens to watch a football match, Olympiakos against uh, Apollon Kalamadias. Um, and we bought a football program. And I didn't really know what to expect because I'd watched some matches on television, but I wasn't really that much of a fan. I sort of went because my dad wanted to go. And I remember looking at the football program and looking at the Apollon Kalamadias players in the, in, in the program, and they looked like greek gods they looked like huge just in my in my eight-year-old mind they just looked like giants and i was like how are my team olympiakos going to be able to compete with these guys i felt scared um to, to put that into context by the way that's like a that's like a man city or a liverpool fan being afraid of accurate stanley like it's really really not particularly um smart but but that is how i felt and I got into the stadium and I saw this sea of red and white and I heard the chanting and the drums and the noise and the atmosphere. And that sort of galvanized me that sort of, you know, not, not so much the performance on the pitch, which was obviously great. And we won three nil, but the fans calling and chanting really made me feel part of a much bigger piece. And that was, that was what really kind of cemented for me my love of sports and my love of being a fan and experiencing sports live. Um, and it took that fear right away, just evaporated it. Um, and whenever I think of the fan experience, I always think about what organizations can do to try and, and take th that experience and instill it as much as possible within their fans, within their, their groups, in order to get them to really believe collectively and have a fantastic experience at the, uh, in the stadium. What about you? Well, I'm a Wolves fan. So uh, I think our, our fan experience has increased dramatically over the last few years. Well, congratulations. Um, it's been a great season. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we might have missed out on the Europa League, but if you compare back to what we were a few years ago, it's all uh, quite uh, a dramatic improvement. Um, I think, you know, the last few weeks, months has really proved the importance of fans in the stadium, both from uh, both from the people in the stadium point of view, but also for the TV product as well. Mm -hmm. um, I think that, you know, never before has it been so clear as to how important the fans uh, are actually are to the, the overall product if you call it that. And I think we have to be very careful when we talk about technology that it's not technologies that reduce the fan experience, but technologies that add to the fan experience. Um, as you can imagine at Sportsloft, we get pitched different fan engagement uh, ideas all the time. Um, and, you know, we're very careful to pick the ones that we think are additive. Um, there's also a lot of stuff that is very me too, um, and not that exciting or not that clever. And, you know, I think... Me too to, in the sense of copying as opposed to hashtag me too. 
<laughs> yes, absolutely. Very much in the sense of uh, copying and not being unique and uh, and distinctive. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, when you look at fan engagement um, uh, apps or technologies, uh, probably about six, nine months ago, it's like, oh, here comes another one. Now people are looking at it and going, all right, so how do we use this to genuinely increase the fan experience? And I think that change has been really, really important. Uh, mm. But ultimately... You know, there's another aspect of this, though, and you mentioned, you know, uh, going to watch a football match. You know, I've been a Wolves fan for years. The reality is that people will stand in pretty rubbish conditions in order to watch a team that they think wins. And it has to be, there is still something fundamental about the event and the sport, not the technology that leads. The technology has to support in these cases uh, and not be the the, the driving factor. And I think that's uh, an important thing that we look for in Sportsloft that nothing takes away from the authenticity of the actual event and the actual moment. Charlie, thank you very much. Really appreciate your insights and I'll let you go to see your family and spend some time with your family in the beautiful Devon countryside. Thanks, Yanni. Look forward to chatting again soon. Cheers. All right. It's time to bring in our guests uh, to talk about the fan experience and the impact that technology has on the fan experience in sports and entertainment. We're fortunate to have two uh, leaders in the field. Uh, we're joined today by Giel Kirkens from the KNVB, the Dutch Football Federation, who is joining us from Utrecht. Giel, welcome. Thank you very much, uh, Yanni. Great to be here. Excellent. And uh, Donnie White from Satisfy Labs, uh, who are a Sportsloft member. Donnie is the founder and CEO of Satisfy. Donnie, welcome back. Thank you. Good to be with you again. It's great to have you guys on here to talk about what is a really pertinent topic for all of us in the sports industry in, in these times. But let's start with a little bit of, of scene setting. Um, why don't you guys uh, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do within your organizations? And, and Giel, you can, you can kick us off. Yeah, thank you, Yanni. So uh, I work for a bit more than 10 years at uh, KNVB, the Netherlands Football Association, and actually... Uh, 10 years ago, innovation was not such an explicit, uh, explicit topic as, as it is right now, but I'm um, responsible for innovation and research, uh, which has really grown as a topic over the, over the last couple of years. So uh, I think one of the main examples is uh, video refereeing, the VAR, of course, where we uh, played, I think, a really uh, leading role in, um, in, in this development. Uh, so it's one of the one of the great examples, but uh, there are many other topics that we are uh, that we're looking into as an as association. Um, one of them is uh, is amateur football. You know, how do we get kids and and all kinds of players engaged in a game and and offer them new ways of of playing the game? Uh, so that's one of them. Um, data analysis is, is is a great topic which we will probably touch upon uh, later as well. Um, and um, I think all the challenges around COVID-19 at the moment is, is kind of screaming for innovation and to, to look into new ways of how do we organize football? How do we get people back into the stadiums? Uh, so it's, it's an exciting time <laughs> if you're into innovation. Uh, there's happening really a lot. Uh, so uh, I work on that with, uh, with a lot of people from, uh, from the Netherlands. Excellent. And uh, actually, on that topic, you have one of the most interesting job titles that I've ever come across, which is Captain of Knowledge Development and Innovation for the KNVB. Is, is that something that the KNVB has, has focused on and kind of 
granted that title because there is such a focus on uh, innovation and knowledge development uh, in order to really recognize that? Or yeah. was it something that you picked out of a hat? Yeah, it's it's a little bit of both. So actually, mm -hmm. two years ago, we decided to put a couple of departments together that, that are working on, let's say, more the, the, the future-proof solutions for football. Uh, so it's our marketing team. We have a team of project managers and my former team of research specialists, uh, data analysts, and, and, um, and our innovation community manager. Uh, are all together in that and one of the one of the topics or one of the, the lines was that we could kind of choose uh, our function titles uh, ourselves and the only restriction is that your direct colleagues have to uh, think it's a logical name for what you do so we had a lot of discussions around this and tried to pick also some names that are a bit um, bit bit off the beaten path so to say so this is what came out for me which uh, which fits well I think very, very cool. I love, I love the focus on uh, really creating that uh, from the very start with the narrative of, of um, uh, pushing the innovation chapter by having a captain to really lead it. Uh, so uh, from you to, to a de facto captain, the founder and CEO of Satisfy Labs, Donnie, tell us a little bit about, uh, a little bit about Satisfy Labs and what you guys do. Thank you. Uh, we're the interactive search company, which means we create custom and conversational search engines for popular sports teams and venues, and we also dive into entertainment and tourism. It's built off really knowledge management and conversational AI technology. My partner, my business partner, Randy Newman, is our CTO. We both have financial engineering backgrounds, heavily developed in algorithmic trading concepts. So we really brought that to this industry so that we could really understand what it is people want, what kind of searches they, they look for, what kind of buying interest they have and it all started in city field about four years ago wanted mm -hmm. to figure out what people wanted to achieve either with food or tickets or transportation to get into the stadiums and now with COVID 19 it's just changed an entire new data set for us of learning what people crave for with health and safety tell us what the uh tell us what the first question is because i love i love this story of um, what the first question was that was pumped into the system at City Field as an example of what people might look for when they came to uh, to a baseball game. Where can I find bacon on a stick? It was the... which is exactly the kind of question that I would ask <laughs> an, an AI uh, conversational AI system. <laughs> it was great. It was great. It was great learning for us because we had to figure out what is something that someone would want if they knew about it or could find it easily and there was just one little stand in the back of city field that wasn't as popular unless you knew where it was or had some viral interest but being able to not only have people ask it but we then started promoting it hey do you want to know where bacon on a stick is and it just changed the whole <laughs> dynamic i think of what we do and you know 250 customers later i think they've seen the the value in it as well that's amazing. Well, I haven't been to uh, a Mets game since they were at Shea Stadium, but I will definitely be looking up the bacon on a stick place as soon as I go to City Field. So let's turn our focus to the um, uh, uh, topic at hand today, the, the the fan experience. And obviously, this is something that's very important to everybody in the in the sports industry, but even more so um, now with the impact of, of COVID-19 uh, and the fact that some championships some competitions some leagues have started to come back 
with varying levels of attendance, various level, varying levels of success, even uh, as to how people are um, uh, focusing on that. So, um, give us in in broad strokes, and and Keel, we'll we'll start with you. But Donnie, please do jump in whenever you want. What do you see as kind of the near term and slightly further term um, objectives for the fan experience, um, and really capturing that? Uh, in a way that's completely different than what people have normally experienced by being able to sit in a seat and watch a game, uh, which is no longer the case. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we were one of the first countries to kind of shut down our league. So we haven't seen any football since uh, since mid-March in the Netherlands. Um, so the competition was, uh, was ended then. Uh, and we are only starting... Uh, our Premier League after the the international teams uh, window, which is beginning of September, so it will still take a while uh, as well. So uh, we are really hungry for for football at all. As in as in other countries, uh, of course, some matches were being played without uh, fans in the stadium. Um, we are happy if we can return to uh, to some football uh, at all. So um, so that's probably the first and. And biggest challenge that we are facing is of, is of how can we get fans back into the stadium in a safe way. And um, we kind of defined three topics that we also um, uh, put in the Reimagine Football Challenge that we launched together with the UEFA, the City Football Group, uh, Ajax Amsterdam and, and the KNVB. Um, uh, which is really focused on how can we especially convince the authorities that it is safe again to to let large large groups of people back into the stadium and then trying to mm. scale this up to uh, to as many fans as possible um, and and the other two topics around that more related to the fan experience is uh, uh, is, is the uh, first of all the at home fans how do we keep people engaged which is, of course, incredibly hard when there is no football. So now when we see training camps and friendlies picking up again, uh, we at least have some content to, to engage with them again. Uh, and, and, and the second topic is uh, once we get uh, people into the stadiums, how can we make it, uh, how can we make it fun? You know, because I think everybody who's, yeah. who's been to sports games and uh, sitting there by yourself with, with some space around you until you... Uh, see the next fan is is not the ideal way of picturing um, yourself uh, experiencing a, a sports game. So so I think these kind of three topics are are, are the are the main things. But uh, the most focus is on how do we uh, how do we get people back into the stadium. And how have you focused on that uh, in terms of applying technology? You mentioned the. Uh, uh, incredible reimagined football campaign that you guys are running is was that built out of sort of necessity you said oh we need to do this because of COVID-19 or is it a continuation of existing um, projects and and things that you guys are looking to push forwards and bring innovation into the sports industry in general and football and speci uh, specifically yeah, it's it's uh, it's a combination of both. So we are uh, the, the group of companies or, or sports organizations that we are doing this with. Uh, we are talking together now for for about a year, I, I would say. Uh, we have done a kind of similar innovation challenge uh, one year ago with the Johan Cruyff Arena and, and Ajax, so more a national initiative, which delivered uh, more than two hundred solutions uh, in in a six to eight week period 
which was very successful, but was also very new in terms of how do we engage uh, experts within the organization in really opening up and looking outside what is all available and uh, uh, trying to be not too overwhelmed by all the developments that are that are happening and picking out a couple of things that we actually already uh, applied last fall to to our national team matches um uh, so, so so that was our first experience and <clears throat> um also a, a great colleague from uh, men city andrew gilligan uh, showed up at the at the finals mm-hmm. um uh, presentations and that's where we kind of got in touch and said okay we're talking to so many similar companies it doesn't make sense to uh, to to uh, have all these conversations separately, but let's try to join forces and ask some other uh, football organizations to join in. So the UEFA Innovation Hub, who are who have been doing some great work, the uh, Barcelona Innovation Hub, uh, the Bundesliga French Football Federation. There are quite some organizations that um, that have been focusing a lot more on innovation the last two to three years. Um, so that's how we founded the football innovation platform. Um, mm. That's kind of a, the, the official platform that now runs the, the reimagine football campaign. Um, and then I think everything was accelerated by COVID-19. And on one hand, the, the need for good solutions that can help us uh, bring back football in the stadiums and making that fun. Um, and the other hand, also practically, we have been overwhelmed with um, with all kinds of offerings and solutions and uh, sometimes great, sometimes less great PowerPoint presentations of companies <laughs> that, uh, that think they can help us. Uh, so it's a really good way to, to structure uh, everything that, that is coming to us and look at it with this, this bigger group of experts. And now within uh, three weeks, we have seen more than 150 solutions uh, submitted. So we're a bit over halfway. Uh, so it's Incredible. also good that we that, that we have a bigger group of experts that we can discuss with um, to really see what will work in the end. And I'm sure you've had some incredible submissions as well, though though we can't talk about those yet until the until the process is done. But Donny, the the whole concept of fan experience has obviously been built up over years um, and and has to be very organic, right? The fans, to a certain degree, dictate what will work and what won't work and, and in which marketplace. You guys have an incredible database of knowledge based on all the questions that fans are asking direct with your conversational um, AI virtual assistant. What are you guys seeing? What are fans asking for in this period and kind of what insights do you have to what will be important to them going forward in the short term and potentially even in the longer term? Yeah, we have a very interesting lens because not only do we work in sports, but we have a heavy presence in tourism. So when you think about, you know, the fan that goes to a, a soccer or football match is also probably going to a zoo or a theme park or an aquarium at some point. And so by looking at what people are demanding or asking for at the places that are reopening ahead of sport, you have a great, you know, kind of parallel to to see both. So the, it's interesting in the health and safety category, I can tell you the top five things based on a couple hundred thousand questions just in the past, like couple weeks, like two weeks. Number one is ticketing. Ticketing questions are number one, like the point that was just raised about, well, how do I, how's my ticket work? And, and is it refundable? And, and if I sit somewhere, can I sit with a group of four or a group of six or a group of eight? Or is it going to be in twos? 
Like, how does mm-hmm. it work? And then face masks, obviously, are a huge number two. The irony mm-hmm. here is people are both asking for either, hey, I, I don't want to wear a face mask in certain areas of the venue. Like, is it okay for me to ever take it off? How do I eat? Can I walk in the corridors and eat? Or do I have to sit at my seat and eat, take my face mask off? There are questions like that. And then the other side is the restrict, the ones that wish it was more restrictive. I hope I can never take my face mask off and I want no one else to take their face mask off. Hmm. So you can read the sentiment of those that are either like highly restrictive or want some, some flexibility in order for the experience to be, to be positive. And then third is super concern over the safety measures of the employees at the venue. What are you doing to ensure that your employees are being tested? And what if they are being tested? What do you do about it? How do you keep the areas clean? It goes on and on, but by being able to have this kind of like leading indicator of what the expectations of for reopening of large areas, we can really see candidly what fans are going to need because it's the same humans that are really just going to transfer to sport when it's reopened. Of course. And how are your um, partners, your customers using those insights that, that you are able to provide? Is it, uh, is it reactive or is it also to a certain degree building for the short and medium term in terms of the fan experience from a health and safety perspective, but also the in-stadium experience or the broadcast experience um, or any other kind of experience interacting with the, uh, with the, teams the venues and uh and the rest of your partners yeah we actually took i liked i liked the three points the at-home fan and then the the at in stadium fan we actually did enhance Mm. our product as a result of COVID 19 to include at-home search capabilities there was so much um, Mm. demand for information while fans are at home like hey when are we playing again And, and who's on our roster and and like what's going on so Major League Baseball being a, a major partner, we, we dove into their stats feeds and video feeds and gave our customer, our teams, the ability to really engage the at-home fan with information on demand. Hey, who's pitching today? What place are we in? Who led us in home runs last year? And being able to give them that, and that's also leading us into, well, how, when can I get a ticket to the next game? And we built commerce tools that they can transact in the same conversation now when that becomes available for next season. So leading with the at-home engagement and now being able to also facilitate the future in-stadium engagement, especially on health and safety, it's a really good combo for our clients. That's really interesting because I have kind of no idea where the fan experience from a live perspective is going to go because nobody knows when people are going to come back, you know, in how many numbers, et cetera, et cetera. But the um, at home fan, uh, there's an opportunity to serve that, uh, that group in a completely different way. And we've already seen some innovations on the broadcast for, uh, the premier league and, uh, what the NBA are doing with the bubble in Orlando, um, uh, where fans are trying to be brought sort of to the court side or to the pitch side in virtual ways, which becomes exciting. You have the sound being pumped in. I- I'm curious, he'll, um, what what are you guys seeing? And you know, you can't, don't don't go into specifics, but you guys segmented very clearly um, in the reimagined football campaign certain key categories that you wanted to focus on. What what are those solutions 
trying to address and what are you really seeing as the next phase of of fan engagement fan experience yeah so what we try to picture is is how does the the fan experience look especially in the stadium that's the main thing that we're focusing on so um mm. uh, in uh, the regulations in the netherlands right now allow actually no maximum number of fans in the stadium as long as, as some distance is, is kept between them um, so the reality will be that people come to the stadium and they will kind of sit with their small own party uh, alone um, uh, in the stadium and i think what you see everywhere in society is uh, the more people are, are kind of separated or in their own space the more they will be on their mobile phone so i think it will be kind of more uh, maybe accepted than ever that that people will spend time even during the game uh, uh, engaging on the on their mobile phones. So uh, so it's kind of looking how can we offer them uh, specific and relevant um, uh, tools to to enjoy the game more. Uh, and and I've, I'm sure many clubs have experience already with all kinds of quizzes and and trivia and, and stuff like that. But one of the interesting um, uh, features that we tested already last season, uh, which will take a great flight, I think, is, for example, um, uh, a tool called uh, Vogo, which uh, enables um, fans to watch live streams from different camera angles inside the stadium. Uh, so as long as you're connected to the Wi-Fi network in the stadium, you get access to a couple of predefined um, uh, camera angles and you can replay, uh, you know, rewind, um, uh, play it at a lower speed. So even kind of be your own VAR. And, and that's, I think, a link to to one of the great developments that we've seen in, in football, of course, although I know some people might think it's it's not the greatest thing that has happened to football uh, over the last period, but um, everybody knows that moment that you're sitting in the stadium, the referee is going to the sideline, watching at the screen, and actually uh, you don't have a clue what um, what he's looking at. Um, and it enables you to, uh, to kind of uh, be uh, a VAR yourself, so to judge on this. And I think these kind of uh, elements in the fan experience will will be more and more important to offer relevant uh, stuff because people will will be looking for it. And through all kinds of workarounds, they they may have access to it already. Um, but we we would like to offer it to them uh, uh, ourselves as well. So so I think that will be a, 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 a big difference. And I'm sure many clubs and organizations will will try out different uh, different uh, mobile applications um, and offer it to the fans. And, and I think something else that uh, that we've discussed already is is catering in stadium. You know, which uh, uh, which was also mentioned just by uh, by Don. If if there are questions uh, um, from people around this, um, but I think also, for example, in seat ordering or pre ordering uh, stuff like this will will take a great flight. We've been talking about it for. For a long time, and in some stadiums, uh, there are some experiments. But I think this will really help um, uh, take a big step in the direction of of automizing this process. I I think you're absolutely right, and this was something that um, we struggled with when I was uh, at AEG in terms of trying to apply uh, these kinds of enhancements to the in arena experience where people can 
pre-order and go to a quick pickup line uh, or, you know, even have in-seat service. The the interesting thing is that there was never sort of a tipping point of really a large scale push um, for adoption. There were always the early adopters who said, oh, this is a great idea. I can figure this out and figure out how to do it. Um, but, uh, people still like the break of going, going into the concourse and spending a bit of time chatting to people. I do, I do kind of wonder how this experience is going to change how fans engage, uh, and approach. And you can very easily see a world where those kinds of, um, adaptations that offer people, uh, a better opportunity to not leave their seat, not interact with other people, i.e. socially distance, will be kind of pushed forward and a lot more, uh, uh, a lot more adopted, a lot more by the, uh, uh, by the fans, which will be exciting. But sort of projecting forwards as well, let's think, let's think, you know, 10 years in, in the future where this isn't, COVID isn't an issue anymore. What? How do you guys think the fan experience will potentially change as a result of this? And what do you think is the first um, kind of big iteration that might then dial back to the way that it used to be? Um, and and Donnie, I'll start with you. Are, are you seeing any data that's saying that people are going to adopt adapt their behavior for a short period? But then maybe revert to type um, when uh, when COVID nineteen is no longer an issue. Yeah, I think what's fascinating is there was so much focus prior to this on on how we could compete with the screens and how we could bring the next generation of fan into the stadium because some people thought the live experience needed enhancements, it needed AR, it needed all these technologies to make the live experience better. And now in the absence of the live experience, all people want to know is how can I come back? How, can mm-hmm. you let me in so I can watch some live sport again? So I think you'll see this immediate appreciation for what we lost and took for granted. And there'll be entire, you know, fathers will bring their sons and daughters and, and mothers will bring their sons and daughters to games now because, wow, you know, we don't, we might not always have this. Should another pandemic occur, we could lose this again. I need to go see these athletes live. So you see that mm-hmm. in the data, just this, how can I come, just make me feel comfortable because I want to come. So I see even like my children who, you know, I took for granted the baseball and American football games I took them to. And now I'm like, wow, we really need to see some of these athletes because there will be a day that, that they can't be seen. So I, I think that's number one. But number two, the convenience factor that was just mentioned, like, I think you'll be going to the stadium knowing that everything will be at your disposal and in a in a way that's personalized to you, whether it be the food that you order, your experience with the application, your experience with ticketing and entry, like all the data that, that's being able to be collected now, I could really make your experience a one-to-one, even if you're physically there. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be quite unique because I think you'll see the catering to the individual, kind of like a VIP in a casino that can be leveraged in the same environment of the future. Hmm, very interesting. Heal, what are you, what, what are your thoughts on the future of it and what will revert and what will completely change? Yeah, I, I think it's, it's funny to go back to, for example, a, a fan research that we've been doing um, for all of our professional clubs now for about 10 years. And year after year, if we ask fans about, um, what is most important about their stadium visit? It is the stadium experience, and it's 
in trying to define what it is, the thing that comes out most is uh, cheering from fans. So the, the chanting mm. and cheering and the sound that's being made by the public uh, themselves is the most important thing. And that's especially in the current times, I think the, the most difficult thing, thing to change. So um, I, we've seen many startups and, and companies offering all kinds of solutions of how can you uh, make people uh, kind of present in, in the stadium, although they are not physically there with with sound and with with video and all these kind of things and it's actually one of the things that we have asked a couple of our national team players as well uh, about um, when they were playing in, in leagues abroad what what did you miss most when you uh, when you play in an empty stadium and for example one of the things they named is uh, kind of getting in the right focus and motivation for the match uh, is difficult because during the warming up you kind of miss the whole bus in the in the in the venue and, uh, mm. and w- which which they're really used to um, uh, having that living up to the game. So I think this might, if we talk about the at home fans and ways of getting them into the stadium, um, although not being there, this might take a big leap. And I think this is something that. That might stay. Um, I mean, look at um, uh, away fans. You know, visiting fan sectors. Uh, when uh, I'm, I'm quite sure for still quite a while, we might want to uh, restrict the number of movements and travel between uh, between cities. Um, uh, so I, I think we have quite some time to to check out and test what will work in that in that field. And I, I could imagine, you know, still having in, in quite some years uh, ways of having away fans engage and support their team, although they are playing on the road. Um, and I, I think these kind of things, they, they might really stick uh, to, mm. uh, uh, to, to, to profit from this in the future as well. Mm. So in the short term, will, will the KNVB uh, and the Dutch League, when it returns with some fans, will you be... Um, pumping music and fan sounds into the stadiums? Is that a discussion that you guys have had? Yeah, it's still a pending discussion. There's no, mm. uh, no solution yet uh, over all the clubs if we will, if we will do this collectively. Uh, but we're definitely looking into this. But um, uh, as there will at least be some fans in the stadiums, um, uh, I think the, the need or the urgency has uh, has slowed down a little bit, but uh, with the presence of the, uh, the the away fans, this will certainly be a topic of how can you support your team when you're on the road. So, uh, so I'm quite sure there will be some experiments in this field. Yeah, because um, baseball has had some fans in stadiums, but it's been it's been quite um, quite quiet and obviously a different experience. Donnie, are you guys hearing anything from the? Major League Baseball fan group about uh, about the in stadium experience with few um, fans. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of interest in in how does that does it change the experience? Like, if there's not enough mm. noise to the point that you raised, is it? Yes, it might be good for the ones that are there, but do the players get the same momentum? Do the players get the same adrenaline if you know it's ten percent of the volume that would normally be there. I would say what's actually fascinating to me is the amount of people that are interested in these cardboard cutouts as something that will <laughs> stay. Because think about or, I love or the, Korean sex dolls in some in some instances. <laughs> I saw and the robots. Uh, we've actually worked yeah. on those robots that are in Japan, and 
to see them cheering is funny. I think this whole how can I be represented is actually a huge opportunity. And whether it's my voice being digitally put in, like I scream at my TV from home. So wouldn't it be kind of cool if my voice was echoed in the stadium at the time? You'd have to figure out the delays and the broadcast and things of that sort. But, you know, when I'm at the stadium screaming, I'd also like to be in my house and have my screams effective, right, with the, the fan base. So all of these fan queries about, like, how can I get myself on TV? How can I get my voice heard? I do think that even if we have that smaller amount of fans, there has to be a way to augment the entire fan base to engage. Because I think the players need it as badly as we as fans do. Yeah, it's it's certainly the sense that we get, and we're hearing from a lot of athletes just kind of going, it's 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 bizarre. It's um somebody in the Premier League described it as uh, playing in a cemetery and uh, and being really spooked out by it, which was uh, uh which which is a challenge for, for sure. Um, you guys have been, uh, I'm sure looking at this for, um, for a while now and Donnie, you've been hearing the fans voices and you're seeing, um, companies come in and pitch to you guys about how they can try to solve some of these problems. Um, what are you seeing or what have you seen and been impressed by so far, uh, in terms of what people have done? I'll, I'll give you an example. I think the layout of the court that the NBA is using um, for uh, for their return in Orlando is is incredible. The the digital screens, the way that they alter, the way that they can bring fans in, um, it is very evidently a different experience and a different uh, product. But it's built to be a different product than a, a big empty arena, and it really responds to that broadcast uh, uh, to the new uh, broadcast model. Um, and I think they've done as good a job as could be hoped to really showcase it and provide something different to the fan who's tuning in for the end of the season. What have you guys seen that's been impressive and, and kind of thought that might actually stick? That'll be an interesting one to, to happen in the next, uh, in the next few years. Donnie. I think for me, the, the thing I'm most impressed with is the thing I'm waiting for. And that's the mics on the athletes. I think everyone's kind of hoping to mm. your point, there's that, the digital experience and the NHL is doing the same thing. Like you see a different viewing viewership model. You see a different sponsorship model. You see all these things, but there are certain sounds that I think could be highlighted in this environment where crowd noise is not one of them. I don't know that you wouldn't actually as an at-home fan rather listen to the players than the fans at some in some degree. Like what's more valuable to your experience so i'm i'm sure someone's going to do it first i haven't seen it yet in the sports that have come back except if you watch like a premier league uh football match you can actually hear them yelling if you take the the noise off and i really enjoy mm -hmm. that for me personally so i think that impressive ideas are coming and will be implemented the next few weeks as we start to get back to restart yeah, obviously it'll have to come with a massive disclaimer or the seven-second delay button or something yeah. like that. Because as we all know, <laughs> athletes on the field don't tend to check their mouths as much as they might Darn. otherwise. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Here, what about you? Yeah, well, actually, I'm I'm pretty much on the on the same topic. So, um, uh, so maybe to go back, I mean, when you saw. Uh, especially the Bundesliga being the first ones to start again in Europe, uh, adapt with the, 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 the cardboard boards on the stands or the first matches that were broadcasted with kind of old fan noise uh, around it, which we had a lot of discussion even, is this, it's not real, but 
uh, when you watch to watch the game a couple of minutes, you you really don't hear it anymore as as something fake, you know. So it it really helps. So this is uh, uh, this is really the uh, shows the importance I think of of having this atmosphere around the game and and how much we're used to that. But um, I totally agree with Don that it opens a lot of opportunities to uh, to uh, let hear more from the from the pitch and. And the discussions, um, uh, but that's also maybe because we're a, a national federation. We're not so much on uh, on, on miking the players, but for example, on uh, miking the referees. You know, to to again back to VAR mm. to hear what they are talking about. And we've seen examples uh, also from Germany uh, where because there are no people in the stadium, it was so silent that you that the camera can actually just pick up what the referee is, uh, is saying to the VAR who is in the, the video uh, control center. Um, so uh, it, it's one of the points of discussion. Uh, the fans will hear it anyway, so why not open it up and, uh, uh, and, and be more transparent about what they're talking about, how this discussion goes. But uh, uh, not everybody in the football world is, <laughs> world is with me on this topic, but I think it would be a, 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 great, uh, a great step forward uh, in also gaining respect for the kind of work that they do uh, because it's under high pressure having very, very uh, precise conversations and discussions about uh, what they have seen, uh, and it's not always easy. Um, so I think uh, also if you, if you look at the kind of announcements that referees in NFL make or what you hear from from rugby, um, it's yeah. unavoidable that this will happen somewhere in the in the next five to ten years. The only question is how soon are we able to open this up? Um, and with the the delayed button or what you what you're talking about, um, I'm I'm definitely sure that when this happens, we'll have a couple of big or small scandals in the sense that uh, that people will not agree with uh, what kind of language is being used or the decision uh, how it was made uh, but i think this is also a process of um, adapting to to this new situation and i really hope this this situation can uh, can can help us in making a step forward in that topic yeah absolutely well Listen, gentlemen, uh, we're coming to the uh, end of our time. Um, I'd uh, just invite either of you to provide us with some uh, closing thoughts before we uh, check out and uh, and move on with our days. So, um, Donnie, anything, uh, any closing thoughts, any big predictions for the next 20 years? 20 years. Um, excellent. Or 50. My... I'll leave it to you. <laughs> well, I think, I think for us and, and for me personally, I just think seeing the loyalty to sport has been phenomenal. Like when you have a health crisis like we do and people starving for something and, and being able to really engage and be a part of that solution, even for our company and myself included, is just a, it's a fantastic career moment for me to look to become part of a solution of bringing something back that, that I truly love. I think 20 years from now, you will see, I think there'll be new venue creations around the digital viewing experience. Like I think right now the point of, okay, so I can go to a venue to see live sport, but maybe I'm in my own hometown. Instead of going to a local bar to view sport, I'll be going to a remote sport viewing location. Because I think people are noticing the starvation of being together and maybe that small bar that you crowd into to watch a football match isn't as good as going to an actual smaller venue customized for that experience with the digital and the 
food and the entire immersive experience to watch a game with other fans like you of an away team, something like that. So I think we'll actually see new experiences created of the physical realm as a result of seeing that demand for togetherness and, and digital viewership. Interesting. Um, I'm particularly excited about virtual reality and being able to uh, buy a season courtside ticket to an NBA team without needing to actually travel to the U.S. every time to go watch a game. Um, that that I think will be really interesting. Gil, what about what about you? Yeah, I, I think what what it has shown uh, the last uh, the past situation is how important it is to have full stadiums, you know, and to be able to be mm. in the stands, uh, see the players, kind of feel the atmosphere in the match, feel the energy from the uh, from the pitch. Um, so in many discussions, uh, whatever fan experience uh, tools we are we are talking about, the main thing is being there, experiencing uh, experiencing this. Uh, uh, yourself together with others, you know, so um, uh, also being, you know, not the Premier League or the, the UEFA Champions League, but having to deal with a lot of smaller clubs as well with uh, stadiums from maybe five to 10,000 uh, capacity. It's a whole different kind of game for them. You know, they don't have the funding or the, the resources to uh, to innovate uh, in, in a digital way in, w- with very big resources. So um, really uh, keeping the the stadium experience and the stadium entrance uh, accessible for everybody is is going to be the main thing. And I think this will will appreciate that probably more than ever and build up on this uh, uh, experiences that can help people that are further away from their from their club or from the from the town where the team is playing uh, to kind of be part of it. And I, I think one of the one of the things that I'm really interested in is is a uh, also the the augmented reality and, and virtual reality experiences, which um, I think are great when you experience them in, in tests, uh, but they haven't taken off really in a way that it's accessible enough for for people. Um, so I really think this will this will come into place uh, one day. I think what we're saying is that the fan experience is about the experience that the fans themselves create, right? And uh... And the more that we can do to put in place technology and operations that capture that and enhance it, the better off we will be. But the the joy of sports is the fans participating and really uh, getting involved with it. So the sooner that we can get back to live sport with fans in the stadium and and do so safely, uh, the better off we will all be. Heel, thank you very much for taking the time. Thank you. Donnie, thank you too. As always, a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us on the Sports Talk podcast and for the listeners. Join us again to hear from our members and the industry experts about the technology that's changing sport, the entertainment, and media. For updates on new podcasts, subscribe below or wherever you get your podcasts and drop us a review. And do sign up for the Sports Loft newsletter at sportsloft.co. Thank you, and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.